0: Welcome to today's show. I have a fantastic guest to share with you today. This is a pre-recorded conversation that I had with Cameron Huben. We are talking all about late identification. How does that impact us as ADHDers when we are women over 50? We've got some great insights, some amazing things to share with you. We talk about time blindness. We talk about what it feels like to be a woman in your late 40s, 50s, and older, and sort of that experience of being unseen sometimes. And what those experiences are as we learn about ourselves in late identification, it's a very different experience from learning you're late identified in your your 20s or your 30s. When you're in your 40s or 50s, it is a little bit different, and there's some other elements that come with it. And in this conversation with Cameron today, we're diving into that and so much more. So stick around. I can't wait to share it with you. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us Each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. Welcome to everybody here joining us in our live studio audience. If you're joining us on LinkedIn or YouTube, drop in the chat. Let us know you're here. Happy Tuesday to you. We are here in the United States. We are preparing for Thanksgiving this week. I've got a whole host of folks. We'll have about 10 of us here on Thursday eating. If the dog barks, I apologize. It's just the mail lady just showed up. I can tell you, I'm just, I think they forget she comes every day. (laughs) Just one of those things. Does your dog do that? It doesn't matter how many times somebody comes to your house. Whenever they show up, the dog's going to bark. Um, it's just one of those things. So you may see I've got my Beyond Autistic Burnout t-shirt on today. I'm fully branded because this morning I was shopping, doing Toys for Tots shopping for our local community here. We had over 90 kids who had signed up and applied, you know, for families that said, Hey, we could use some help this year. And we had twice the kids this year and half the budget. Uh, so I was getting really um, very creative in fulfilling those amazing wish lists that the kids had this year and it it was so nice and so much fun but I'll tell you um, we were, we were in a very large um, discount store. And by the time I went through each one of the sheets and I made sure I was navigating all the stuff, my executive function was maxed out at that two hour mark (laughs) after I think I fulfilled, my whole buggy was full. Um, I managed to get all of the amazing things that everybody wanted on their list, but wow, um, I'm definitely going to be you know, for the things that I haven't done yet. If, if Have you guys started your your holiday Christmas shopping yet? Let me know in the chat. Have Have you started this yet? I've already bought and wrapped most of mine. I've got one or two left to get, kind of last minute. My boys always—they're you know, at that age where they just want cash, mom. I don't—I don't want you know stuff. I like to do one fun thing though. So I'm going to maybe find a game or something fun to do for the boys. But, you know, it's just, oh, it, it's, it's kind of stressful if you have to go in person this time of year for me anyway. I've only done a Friday, a Black Friday one time in my whole life. And that was maybe eight years ago. I, I did that. I, I never have to do that again, folks. <laughs> just don't. I am such a happy online shopper. I'm just saying, are you an online shopper or you uh, do you prefer to to go in person and pick things out? I have a really good friend and they love to do that. Let us know. Share in the chat. I always love to hear what that is. So my guest today is really incredible and I can't wait to share her with you. But before we jump into that, I want to share a special offer that I'm doing and it's going to launch Tomorrow. Be sure to keep an eye out on your VIP email list for all of my spicy peppers if you have not yet taken the quiz to find out what your spicy pepper level is and your burnout journey right now so that... You know where you are. You know how to better kind of have a context and a way to define what burnout is for you in this experience, so that I can help you and we can start crafting your burnout restoration journey. And we can do it in a way that's going to serve you best. So my conversation with Cameron coming up. As I said, we recorded this last week. Just a little heads up. She has a brand new puppy. And as puppies do, they don't really care what you're doing. And I am not a great sound engineer, guys. So I removed some of the the puppy yapping in the background, even though Cameron and I tried very hard to um, navigate this. But the conversation is so good. I just want to let you know there are a few little puppy barks in there. I did decrease the sound as best I could. So I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation that I shared
1: with Cameron Oh, we have got a great conversation today, and I'm so excited that you're
0: joining us. This is a pre-recorded segment, so I just wanted to give you guys a head up. I am in the chat live, so do add where you're joining us from. What are some of your big questions? What has come up in your late identification journey? Because we're going to be talking all about those elements with Cameron Huben today. She's an executive leadership and personal development coach, host of the podcast, 50 not dead, and a force empowering women over 50 to make extraordinary changes. Today, we're going to delve into her unique approach to coaching, navigating time, time blindness for those of us who so believe and have experienced this thing that happens to us in our ADHD brains, and her inspiring journey of how she's navigated burnout in her life. Guys, welcome to the show, the ever fabulous Cameron Cuban. (laughs)
2: Welcome <laughs> to the show. Oh, Caroline, thank you so much. I have been looking so forward to this. I am a huge fan, and I am really, I'm so flattered uh, that you asked me to share with your community. I just thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh my goodness, this has been a conversation I have just been dying to get into ever since we first <laughs> met. It has been so much fun getting to know you, and I absolutely just there's so much that doesn't get talked about. Like you and I were were having a conversation a couple of months ago and it's just like, you know, you hit 50, you get in that, you know, that's that late stage in your 40s. And it's like all of a sudden you're just like this invisible human sometimes in the world that feels.
2: Yeah. It's it's and nobody tells you. I, I mean you may have experienced it when you're younger, like and kind of maybe even unwittingly also put People in that age group as the invisible people. But if you did, it was likely subconsciously, I mean hopefully, right? But um, once you hit it and you're like you start to hear it or experience it, and it is, it is it can be really disturbing. And um, and I have really dedicated a huge part of my business to helping women 40 and 50 and over 50 really claim their visibility and claim their voice. And i am an advocate for hiring women in their 50s and above for you know seeing them for using their services and not counting them out oh my gosh
0: yes so there is a segment in a movie that when you and i were talking it was it's like the thing that comes up every time i think about this and you know I'm 49. I'm moving into to my fifth decade here coming up at, in 2024. And there's this segment in a movie, and it's got Diane Keaton in it, and um, McDermott is her last name. And they're sitting at the dining table, and she's talking about women over 50 being this invisible population. But she's talking about all of the fantastic things. Like by the time we hit 50, we're these incredible, diverse, like experienced humans. And we have all of this really, and in- she's like, we're the most interesting people in the world, right? Yeah. Yet, yeah, so <laughs> the world looks at us and goes, oh, no,
1: it's just. It's not a bad thing to say women your age. Oh no, I'm sure it was a compliment. No, look, let's take you and Erica, for example. Oh, Zoe, here, you've been around the block a few times, am I right? What are you, around 60? 63. Fantastic. Never married, which as we know, if you were a woman, would be a curse. You'd be an old maid, a spinster, blah, blah, blah. So instead of pitying you, they write articles about you. Celebrate your never marrying. You're elusive and ungettable, a real catch. Then there's my gorgeous sister here. No, wait, what? what? Listen, no, this is interesting. Look at her. She is so accomplished. The most successful female playwright since who? Lillian Hellman? She's over 50, divorced, and she sits in night after night after night because the available guys her age want somebody, forgive me for saying this, but they want somebody that looks like Maren. So the whole over 50 dating scene is geared towards men leaving older women out. And as a result, the women become more and more productive and therefore more and more interesting which in turn makes them even less desirable, because as we all know, men, especially older men, are threatened and deathly afraid of productive and interesting women. It is just so clear, single older women as a demographic are about as fucked a group as can ever exist. Literally, my body bumps into us.
2: (laughs) Somebody just described that. They are like, I was in the grocery line just the other day, and somebody, like the checker asked the man behind me if she could help him, and he like stepped up, bumped into her to have his stuff, his stuff taken, you know, checked out, and she was like, "I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm here. Um, here's my stuff, you know." And um, I have to agree with you that women in their fifties, and once you hit fifty, it's this, it's a really transformative time. I think that there is, there is all of this, of course, natural clock work going on and menopause which again nobody else really tells you about until you're in that that's that's a treat um
1: but (laughs) you are
2: (laughs) right you know um but we've got all of this but there's so there's there's that in the the actual numeric time but there's also i think that you've had this much learned experience as you were just saying right you've had this time and reflection and you've been through so much and you have all of this diverse perspective and you just hit this stride and you really, you want people to see it and you do not want people to hold you back because it's really about kind of breaking through that and breaking out of maybe what the preconceptions were. I have to say, I don't know if I can, I will not say the whole word on the show um because I didn't share with you before, but, um, but there, I, I was um, just reviewing all of my podcast episodes and looking for, there is definitely... Huge portion of women over 50 who get to this point and they're just like, F it. I no longer care about what other people think. And there's an immense freedom in that. And then there are also, of course, people that get here and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with what I've chosen. And I really want to change it. And I'm kind of terrified because of all of this what they've created, the the a family dynamic or a work dynamic or a religious dynamic or all all of the dynamics, right? And they're like But there is but there's a knowing inside of whether it's right or not.
0: Oh my gosh. The duality of that, that is exactly what I have conversations around so often, Cameron. It's like either you're at this place where you're like, heck with it. Yeah. Like screw it all. I'm just the mask is off and I it is this is me, and you either like it or lump it. Yeah. And there really is this empowering place where you stop caring what other people think about you.
1: Hmm. And
0: then there's this other side. And and I think I I hit this particular place around 42 for me. And Hmm. it was, oh my gosh, I am living a life I've created, but this is not what I created with
1: intention.
2: Yeah. I meet a lot of people who say, they use different words. It's more of like a really common thing I hear is, what kind of fell into my career? You know, and, and then it's like, and I was pretty good at it and I started climbing or I felt I it paid the bills and then I had children and, and my life just took off running and here I am. And like, who is this? What is this? So it's, um, there is that it, obviously it's different in age for everyone, right? Like for you, it was earlier for some it's, you know, right when 50 hits. You know, some it's a little bit right, right around 50 and some of it's in some for some it's in their 50s. But I think that overall, I think it happens to everyone.
0: I do, too. I, I do. I think it happens to everyone. And I think it's so important that we have this conversation, because for me and the work that I do, um mm-hmm people come to me because this is usually where they've hit the worst burnout of their life. And burnout is chronic and consistent unmet needs. And a lot of it, it, one of the biggest places that I see, and this is the place that I identified in myself. So just saying folks, if you're feeling this, you're, you're not alone. and, And so many of us can, can relate to this. And it's, who I know myself to be internally, even if I can't quite put words to it, isn't matching up with how I'm showing up in the world. And it, I call that the integrity gap. And it's not the lack mm. of personal integrity, but it's the, it's the gap between who you innately know yourself to be internally and how you're actually showing up in the world. And the bigger that gap, the bigger, like the energy drain, the energy suck. It's like this black hole and you're exhausted. You're tired. And you- hit this burnout and most of us you know we've pushed through and we've made it you know our career we start in our 20s we get married we got kids you know 30s and we're moving into our 40s our kids are getting older and all of a sudden we get a little breathing room and we start to look at ourselves with this one because we've slowed down or our body has forced us to slow down and we're like holy heck what i'm looking around and
2: i don't know how the heck i got here Yeah, but that that Holy heck, how did I get here feeling is in that, that burnout feeling of, you know, as you described it, that, that so over time, it's a sustained feeling of stress and it, it, and it is just, it can be incredibly confusing, you know, and I absolutely love the term that you used a moment ago. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it, but the integrity gap, um, I think that that is exactly, I I love that term because I think it's exactly what I'm talking about of kind of like when I see that that there's like this awakening or this knowing inside that happens. And I think that when we get to this, we get to a certain age and we've done enough, I was going to say work, but that's not it. It's just growth and just living, right? Of being able to see like, wow, I'm, to your point, I'm spending so much energy keeping all of this up. I am trying so hard to figure it all out. I'm trying so hard to make all of the ends meet or all of the things work. And you hit, you know, as you said, you, you literally can like feel like you slam into a wall. Or as I, I, I wrote this morning, my, my, my mom describes it as having one foot nailed to the floor. Of like, I, I, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just like going in circles. I'm just like, oh, you know, it's like my puppy that we have. <laughs> he loves to run in circles. I don't think he's um, I don't think that he's burning. I think he is, he's on. fire. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you. I um absolutely relate to that and uh, appreciate too that what you offer to your listeners and to who's watching. You're not alone. You're so not alone. I am. Um, I've experienced it too. I know so many women especially who do because there's the expectations are enormous we are the expectation societal expectations are that you you know and i'm not i'm not saying anything new right just reiterating in terms of the expectations to keep the home running to make sure the kids are all you know they're all good and have everything they need and and of course there are differences right it's not always the woman but um but a lot of times the expectation is that it is and two we've made this giant leap forward and now we can work outside of the home and it's just like, holy, good God. And we do that with ASTO. Like, you know, we there aren't many of us that don't do it all like full force. And then that combination of, you know, trying to do it all at work and trying to do it all at home, uh, especially if it's not in alignment too, right? I mean, you could put, you put that into the mix and it's just like, oh my, oh my. Talk about energy. Yeah, and, and, and let's not, you know, miss the part that
0: you know perimenopause shows up, and you've got different hormones, you've got different energy cycles, and you got stuff showing up you didn't even know was like something that could show up, and so then that's factoring into while you're experiencing the world, how you're experiencing yourself. And I, I love, and I want to move into this next step of this layered of this beautiful conversation that we're having today, Cameron, because part of this journey for so many of us is also our our awareness and our late identification of our neurotype. yeah. And I know that, that that was something that you've experienced as well. It's like this late identification of ADHD that comes in. Wow. How did that factor into your like turning the 50 moment and, you know, late 40s and this whole experience? Because it is different at in your mid 40s, you know, in your 50s. To become aware of your neurotype versus in your twenties and it's just it's a different season. So, Cameron, what is what has been that journey for you in late identification? How has the ADHD element and the awareness of your neurotype sort of played into this discovery? Because it is it is a very different place for
2: us late, later in life. Oh my goodness! I the sharing this one is just. This is the first opportunity I've ever, except with you, I think really described that part. So many people who if you've heard any of my stuff or listening to the podcast or read anything I post, I talk a lot about having had in my, I had a long corporate career, 22 years in international operations and for the most part, it was full of some really great opportunity. I lived in China, I lived in Vietnam, I lived in Germany, I lived in New York City, and that was, you know, um, you don't want to. What is it? Something about a gift horse? <laughs> it, was, it was something like. What about it? <laughs> so we a like, horse in the bow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, at, I'm 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 terrible with things. I don't know why I ever try them. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're not my I, thing. I, Oh my goodness. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that means, right? Okay, exactly. So anyway, I, for all intents and purposes, I had this extraordinary career. I had to just like, I moved to China. I, and, and part of, you know, in, in now having some perspective and knowing this part of myself, it's like, well, shoot course you did. who well, does not just go to China on a, you know, because somebody said, hey, would you like a job in China when you're 25? You know, and this was 1997. And I mean, there was some, a little bit of pre-thought, but really I had this idea that I wanted to live in total immersion in another culture. That was it. And as I did that and my career just blossomed and I was always open for opportunities. One of the good parts of ADHD um, is you're always chasing the next shiny, cool thing. And so I always just took on more and more and more until I had kind of risen to the top position that I could have in my global organization in the, in the work that I was doing. And just took on more and more and more and more. And then I was headhunted to join another company and I went to another one. And again, like seemed like all good. And what I talk about a lot is that in my last very last segment of my corporate career, I was in a toxic relationship with my boss the CEO of our company, or of the company I worked for. And I, and I, I could see it coming a mile away because I'd seen it happen with other women in the organization. I wasn't special in that regard. And I had thought, oh, well, when it's my turn, I am just out of here. But what I didn't realize is that with ADHD, there is an element of tongue of potentially not necessarily knowing our boundaries where somebody somebody else stops and we begin, the element of wanting to please because it's fun to be liked, right? So I, even though she started to mistreat me, it, it well, when she did, it really got under my skin. And one of the things I recently learned about ADHD is that people with ADHD, and if you've ever experienced this and you've never heard this, it was mind-blowing to me and very very illuminating we respond very viscerally when something feels unjust oh yeah right and i didn't know that it is a visceral physical response like we we feel it so intense yes exactly and so and so when it was happening to me it was like and when i could see it happening to others it was like i felt like i have to be the one that is strong. I have to be the one that stands up. I have to be the one that makes us right. That, 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 that out, I don't know, outsmarts out, performs out, whatever. So I just keep trying harder and harder and harder. And again, like lost all sense of time and boundaries. And we'll talk more about time behind this, but really for me, it was like, I let it happen. I let it go on for 18 months. And when I was done with that job, when I finally left, I was so destroyed. I had tried so hard. And then I started to believe her, which, you know, I mean, is such classic. Is such a classic symptom of abuse, right? Is that the victim starts to blame themselves. And I could no longer discern where the company ended and I started. To me, it was just... Follow me. And it was terrible. It was terrible. And I was being attacked in front of people all the time and asked to remember things, details. <laughs> so if you have ADHD and you're anything, I wish I could scan with the top of my desk. I try to have the background look like <laughs> not what I show on my desk. But I managed a lot of details because we're good at multitasking. We, I, I managed all of operations for a brand. And there was a lot of detail. I could get to it, but like recalling it all on under stress, not gonna happen. And I would be quizzed on these small details in front of people. And it was so humiliating. And so when I finally left, I thought, oh I should feel okay. And like I cried before I, the day before, and my husband's like, you're crying like you're getting out. but I didn't want to have to. And I don't know what to do with myself now. I don't know who this is. And it was in that time, too, right after that one, I started having panic attacks, which led me to work with. I had been in therapy on and off before. I had worked with psychiatrists on and off before because, as you certainly know, ADHD is the comorbidity of anxiety and depression is so hard. And I just always, or not so hard, so common. And I just always thought, was that stuff? That's being exacerbated. So then when I, when my daughter was diagnosed as how it goes for many women in our generation and I learned, um, that I had 80, it wasn't actually it was just like, I read through this list and I was just like, oh my God. And it felt was on one hand, I'm like, okay, I'm not nuts. But also I just, it was so disappointing in terms of it would have been so nice. Had somebody just gotten a little bit curious with me and said hey you know I've noticed a few of these things because and then maybe it's just that like once you're aware of something you can't not be aware because I'm sure you can do it too when you spot somebody with ADHD you know and like maybe you don't know we're not uh, diagnostic experts maybe you are I'm not a diagnostic expert but it's, there's some stuff that is certainly if with being with somebody over time, where you might say, you know, have you considered, you know, or do you happen to just you see your mind going in, does your mind going in circles a lot? Do you find yourself playing the same record over and over and over again in your head of, I'm not good enough, or why did I do that? Or those kind of things. And it just, it was, so then I had this diagnosis and I and I was at my lowest and I was just like, oh wow, and by the way, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be looking at 50 soon. <laughs> so it was it was a whole cornucopia of goodness salad though just like oh my god you know and I, obviously i'm being sarcastic it was just like it it wasn't great yeah it's a
0: it's a hard place it really is because there's that whole processing phase and and like you described it's like why did somebody not just get a little bit curious about this and then the more you start to learn, because I, I know that you're like me and we both love the brain and all of the wonderful stuff about our brain. But when we start to learn about the different elements and ways that we experience the world as ADHD people, one of those things is, oh, rejection sensitivity. Oh, time blindness. And then we look back and retrospect at our life and we can pinpoint the places where those things showed up for us. And how it hurt us, how it caused greater stress, greater anxiety, greater depression. You know, how people misunderstood us and how we misunderstood other people. Mm -hmm. And it can be such a really hard unpacking, but also one that you grieve through it. But then you get to this place where you're like, well, all right, if that's what it is, because, you know, we get to this place that 50 we're like, well, screw it, we're just doing it. And yeah, I just kind of like, I'm stepping into it. And what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me to be ADHD to me and for me, right?
2: hmm What was mm-hmm. that part like for you, Cameron? Oh, my gosh. Well, you, you, I mean, as the hyperachiever that so many of us are, right? It was just like, oh, well, I need no to know anything about out. it. Right. I'm like, I need to figure this out. And so I, what I did was I started change therapists and started working with a therapist who specialized in adult ADHD. I also joined a group, um, a, a group of adults with ADHD. And I was just absolutely blown away. I was blown away. I was like, they teach this stuff? Like, what do you mean my to do list isn't a to do list? I will never forget that. I remember going into not to the group, but into my therapist, and she's like, You always carry that giant book around. you, this my planner. And I'm like, Yeah, I was. And I wasn't even working at the time. Um, You know, you, what is it? You know, what what's in there? And I'm just like, Oh, it's my, my planner, my my to do list. So she's like, Can I see your to do list? And I showed her. She's like, Kevin, yeah, mean, this isn't a to do list. And I'm like, What do you mean? My, my husband makes one every day. Um. And, she, and I'm like, and his of course gets all checked off every single day or he moves items to the next day. And then he's like, hell bent on getting those things done. I'm like, my stuff on mine, have been there for years. And, and she's like, yeah, well, you know, things like clean out closets, plural, that does not belong on a to-do list. That's a project. And I was like, what? wait, like, what? what? I have- yeah, right? I'm like, oh my God, what do you mean? I'm like, but if I don't put it down, I will forget it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and object permanent. You right? Oh my God. Totally. If it's not here, it doesn't exist. If it's not, if I'm not doing it, it doesn't exist. Um, which makes moving and being able to, I love to build relationships. I keep relationships when I move, but that sense of being able to get up and go, I think is easier because it's just like, okay, now I'm all in this, I'm all right here. Wherever I am, and and thank God I have had the wherewithal to be halfway decent at keeping relationships alive. But I think that again, if it's not, it's not right there in front of you. It kind of doesn't exist. And I remember reading a book. Oh my God, recall is also one of those things. And menopause. Um, I want to say it's just called getting things done. And and I I I think I read it. I don't know three or four times. If nothing else, what I got out of that was you do not have to keep everything in your head, and he, what his method was just write it all down, Yeah, uh, up a to-do to list, right? And it's like just get it all down because you're not required to keep it all organized in your brain every day, and that was super helpful for me. Of just like okay, it all goes, and for me now, no, it doesn't go on a physical piece of paper. Though I I like you know this was this was yesterday, it's like Wednesday, okay. And for me, the actual times written out because I may, yes, exactly. Um, and then a, like, and then there's like three things that have to get done that it's like, okay, that's manageable. Everything else for me lives in, um, a program called cook click, click up. And my assistant, my virtual assistant is the one responsible for making it look cool and keeping things in the right things. All I do is create the task. And if I'm, if I have the wherewithal, I will assign it to a category, but if not, she does. And I think that part of the maturing part of this and the later diagnosis is well, one, I, am I put one thing I don't care about or have any issue with, I don't have any issue with asking for help and Whereas maybe earlier really, in my life, right so huge, totally. And earlier in my life, it was like, "Well, I'll do it. Of course, I'll do it." After right. we would I do everything, You know, I mean, I'll learn how to make this database thing. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's so not me." It will take me. Uh, uh, honest to God, I mean, I should never have even saying that sentence. It does not belong in my vernacular. I'm not going to figure <laughs> out any database or create one for that matter. It's not how I function. Um. And now to understand, like, yeah, I'm not gonna be the one that is that is the scheduler. In fact, if the biggest favor I can ever do for my assistant is see stay the hell out of scheduling and oh. and and the organization of stuff and when it happens in time. Um yeah. because she's just like, hey, who is that? I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> because I won't remember. And she's like, What did you do to your schedule? Why does it look like that? And I'm like, yeah,
0: right. And there's that other element of our ADHD and it is having difficulty assigning the priority to tax you know, it's that definitely been something because everything to me feels important. And so it's been this journey of unpacking and get, knowing, Hey, sometimes I need another set of eyes to look at this or, you know, for me, it's been this gauging of my values and my passion drivers, when I got those in alignment and I had pressure tested those values over time and made sure I was unmasking them because there were some masked values that I had adopted and adapted from others that I thought I was supposed to have, right? When I got really clear on what those are for me, those top five, then prioritizing things has become easier and I do what's called the energy appraisal. And so I did this on my calendar right? Yeah. I love that thing. Is it the, with the squares and the colors, or is that something, something else? I this, okay. it. This oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, something I got created by self. Oh, oh, God. sorry. This comes from, like, as we're looking at it from the burnout perspective, it's what's pouring energy in, because we are always accounting for where it's going out, but we are not being intentional with how are we curating it and bringing it in, in a way that works best for us, so that we've got that 80-20, that creator principle, so that I'm doing the thing that brings the most energy that requires the least amount of input from me because I want to get that ROI, right? Yeah, 100%. What bang have <laughs> I thought? So when all of this starts to come together, it's like things don't even get on my calendar. They don't align with me anymore because I've now structured and set up everything in my life so that those things don't even make it past the gate anymore. Whereas before I was wasting cognitive load in, in decision fatigue,
2: trying to figure all of that out that makes so much sense. You're speaking to my soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of the prioritization thing and the committing to something, I remember just thinking Thursday when it's Monday, I don't know how I'm going to feel on Thursday. And, and so not wanting to commit because not sure that I will have been in the right frame of mind to do something. And, but once you break through that barrier and you get some help and somebody's like, oh, this is how you're going to do it. And you learn because of the great news is, is you can learn techniques. I love what you just said about the energy because and, and the, did you say identity masking or value masking, right? If I'm taking somebody else's and thought it was your own. And I think a lot of women do that too. And um, all of that, learning that there are that there's opportunity to one, claim your own and get really clear on that. Right, and then one decisioning becomes way easier because it's just like I don't need to actually do that. I mean, as you were speaking, I right right away i was like, yeah, you know what? There is this one thing that I that I have committed to, and it's like it's just a little bit. I don't know that it's the right thing right now, and um, it and 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 then just the knowledge that we can get there, and that once we get clear on that, that then decisioning can become easier and prioritization then it becomes maybe like a, a a person without a neurodiversity how they might see the world right and maybe not <laughs> but still the ability to prioritize is is nice and and sometimes it's really new for for those of us who haven't really been able to discern because everything feels the same importance when it's all there. It's like oh, I can't really start anything because so I put my energy here then this thing's gonna suffer. So I'm just going to look at Instagram for a while and just keep myself comfortable, right? And then that, that leads to shame and guilt and not moving forward, which is an energy drain. Yes, it absolutely is. That shame and guilt is in that,
0: like the fear of missing out or I don't want to commit to something. It's Monday and this thing is on Thursday because if I do, I want to be integral with my word and I don't want to let anybody down. So instead of committing to that, I'm just not going to because I don't want to be in a position of feeling bad if I let somebody
2: down, if I'm not able to do it. Oh my goodness. I see that with my daughter right now. Um, she's, a, she's a tween. And I see her not committing to making plans with friends. I mean, maybe a three-day weekend's coming up. And we'll say, would you like to have a sleepover? Do you want to invite somebody over? And she'll be like, Maybe. And we're like, okay, the next day, like, well, honey, did you talk to anybody? Is that a friend? Do you want, like, do you want to organize something? Maybe that sounds like fun. I'm like, okay, well, who? Not sure yet. <laughs> and, and then we're like, okay, well, um, like we might need to coordinate some stuff. And, and it's, it's hard to watch when you have an awareness of what's going on. And because she has ADHD and I'm a an parent with ADHD, I mean, there for a while, it was just like, oh God, poor thing. Like she's got me as a mom. Like we're saying that out. bless your heart. Yeah, <laughs> bless your heart, honey, you're going to be fine. <laughs> it's like, God, I hope, right? But, but there is something to be said, I think for, and one of the things that's sometimes so hard to discern is with parenting, especially is I may see that, but it's not my experience. Like I, she has to kind of live through that. And for a long, I would say all of last year, so uh, it took me a while. I really wanted to be able to guide and fix, you know, and that is just not healthy. I have to let her kind of, you know, I, I was going to say stumble. And I don't mean to sound callous, but it, it, you know, her experience so that then she can also know like, okay, I know mean, I mean, if I can stall and doesn't feel very good because she knows I will step in, she knows I am really ready to step in whenever to, to the point where she's like, mom, I just need sometimes for you to listen and not act. And when I heard that, I was like, whoa, it's like the first time somebody told me, you interrupt a lot. And I was so pushed, I was like, do I? Because in my, in my head, that's really rude. And then I started to see it. And that was also, was in this job. And I started to see it and I'm like, oh my God, the right. The right, I never knew that. I didn't have that self-awareness. So, and I just went off on an ADHD tangent. So please feel free to rein me in. No, like (laughs) not the juicy goodness of what's important to
0: talk about, Cameron, because it's in that moment, it's like, oh, and then you've like, oh my gosh, I do interrupt and people have called me on it. And now I feel really bad and I'm ashamed and I feel really horrible about myself. And now I feel really embarrassed. And then it's like, oh, but when you learn that you're ADHD, then you learn that. Oh, there's a reason that I do that because I know that my brain's gonna lose it, and this was a really important thing, but I haven't learned any skills or tools to put into place because I'm not aware that that's happening. And so there's this all this unpacking on the back end of that, too. And it's like, man, I experienced some really crappy feelings mm. because I didn't know when I was busy beating myself up, yeah, I'm not doing it, right?
2: Oh, slowed so on quite. Right. And so horrified so horrified like he said beat myself uh, so ashamed I was just like oh my god and I had to and, and then I started being so conscious I was like oh and then I would be yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm so sorry and then it's just like oh my god as a woman in business I mean let me tell you you do not be, want to be the one that's apologizing apologizing all the time we do it enough naturally we do not need a dose of extra I'm sorry's we just oh my gosh
0: yeah right <laughs> we had a great conversation <laughs> I saw with Lauren Ashley, Kunal Nayyar, I is, but, Myers, like, talking about apologizing, saying I'm mm. sorry, when really there was nothing to apologize for. Yeah, you know, and I think that's just one of those onboarded masking things that we do, and I think it's you know especially it's conflict avoiders, right? Because conflict mm. ties into that rejection sensitivity, and mm-hmm. in all of those other layers. So Cameron I know that you are just this phenomenal coach and I want to be really respectful of your time because I know you've got some stuff happening today. Can you tell us and share with us a little bit about what type of coaching that you do because you've got two very specific things and I would love to hear a little bit more about this and how people can get in touch with you to work with you.
2: Oh, well thank you so much. So I I I do I have this I had this fantastic opportunity um I live right by Brown University. And when I decided to go into coaching, uh, I looked into their continuing education program and they had a co-active coaching program, which is that in itself, co-active coaching is kind of the standard for if you want to be part of the International Coaching Federation, and it's, oh, you 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 get that certification. And the really cool part about coactive coaching is that you co-create with your client. And so you are co-creating an environment. And what that means really is if, if you are my client and you came to me and you're saying, you know, I, I have all of this stuff going on. Um, one, I would provide a safe environment for you. But I would also then ask you things like, you know, Carol Jean, like, well, what do you need in order for me, for you to feel safe? Like, how can I create that environment for you? And how do you like to receive feedback? Do you like to receive feedback? You know, are you one of those people that like, rip the band-aid off and just tell it to me if, as you see it? You know, because some people—that's what they want. Or are you really sensitive to feedback? Do you have some previous history with, around feedback? And would you rather me, you know, do it a little bit more gently and and, and just like again, we're just co-creating this relationship of how would we like to give and take a bit? And obviously, I'm acting as the guide, but it is really about. You are not broken. You don't need to be fixed. I'm not here to fix you. I'm not better than you. I'm here to allow you space to explore. What I tell my clients is if you are ever struggling with something or you just had a terrible shitty day and you don't want to take that home with you, you can text me, you can call me, you can dump it here. I'm not going to keep it in here. I'm just going to put it over here for you because I can take that for you. And When you come into my space, when we come into the space that we created together, we've created it together to make sure that you feel safe, that you feel comfortable, and that the rate of exploration is the rate that you feel comfortable exploring. And I'll know because you have told me, yeah, I want to get from here to here. And if that's what you want, oh, man, let me, I have, I mean, I may have said I'm not a database person, but you want a system to get from here to there. I will get you there because I love doing that. But on the other hand, if you say, Cameron, you know what I need is, I don't know. I actually don't know what I need. And then it will be, well, let's just explore that. It's okay if we create something that's more explorative. And I, I have that. And then I, uh, I also got a certification in mental fitness, which is hugely helpful for me in managing ADHD. And that is just, it is a way of looking at how we self-sabotage. And oh my God, that's what got me interested in my brain was I self-sabotage, I can still self-sabotage. I mean, with all these tools, it still happens, but I'm way more aware of it and it is so much better than it used to be. Like I may say something nasty to myself or I may do something that is not the best decision for me, but I'm really aware and I can turn it now. Like I, it's not that I don't do it, but I don't, I don't let myself get tripped up and fall on my face with it. And then the last part is a methodology called HAIL. And this is a coaching methodology that's very new. A woman named Linda Rossetti developed it over the span of 10 years. And she wrote a book called Dancing with Disruption. And it is this beautiful, very straightforward technique of looking at how major disruption in your life. So when we're at 50, right? Like our kids might leave the nest. We might lose a job. We might lose a partner. Like these really disruptive things. We can really set an ADHD brain into total spin out, let alone burnout. And it's a way of looking at the emotion that comes up in those times and working on that in a way, again, that is straightforward and allows those massive disruptions to become times of transformation. And that's why I say it's beautiful because it's very simple and incredibly profound in terms of how you can move through something and like that and you can And I feel very, very fortunate. And I'm not an ADHD coach, but as somebody with ADHD and somebody who worked with a therapist for adult ADHD for four years. And then I've also been in two of the group intensives. I bring a lot of ADHD tools in. And I tell people up front, it doesn't matter to me if you have ADHD, because in our world, we are expected to take in so much information. We are expected to do so much. The tools for the neurodiverse are actually really helpful, you know? So I help them create a structure in their calendar. We call, and I call it a, um, you know, it's a, it, I mean, it's a structure. I think of it as like a really nice California closet. Got All these hanger, all these rods and drawers. So you can hang a dress there. Nobody's gonna punish you if you don't. But the option for you is there. And you know that if you have a new dress, that's where it can go. Just like, so for example, to put in your calendar, you know that you wanna do strategic work. We may put on your calendar Mondays at 11, that's your strategic work time. And if you need the help, we can get on a call and I will just be here quietly, we'll do a check-in, you do strategic work, we'll do a check-out when you're really getting into that habit. But nobody is gonna punish you if you have a meeting at 11. It's a way of you giving yourself permission to say, you know what, I'm sorry, can you do that meeting at 10? I have something at eleven, and it's structure can give freedom, which I never believed. And what I find is I thrive with rigorous structure, as long as that structure includes time for breaks, structured yeah. unstructure. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and it gives me the permission. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you for for allowing me to kind of explain what I'm bringing to the table, uh, and. You know, it, and if you're interested in having a conversation, um, I, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. I, I have a website. It's CameronHuban.com. Uh, I have the podcast, the Fifty Not Dead Show. And you know, for anybody who who feels like they are struggling with any of this, or if you're struggling through burnout, or and ADHD and burnout, and you don't know what to do next, I mean, just know you're not alone. Carol Jean's been there. I've been there. So many have been there and there are tools. Thank God there are are tools to help and people who really are.
0: Absolutely. And all of those links for Cameron are down in the show notes. So go connect with her, go reach out, go check her out because Cameron really does come to the table with Amazing resources. And she herself is an amazing resource. I absolutely adore Cameron. And there's so much value that she brings to the table. And you know, when she talks about having that space to explore, one of the number one unmet needs in burnout in my global spicy research study over the last three years shows that emotional safety is our number one unmet need within our autistic adhd community and it isn't the emotional safety externally it's the emotional safety internally within ourselves and that is such a big component of burnout restoration so if you need more guidance, if you want to go deeper on that, if you're wondering how, what mm. level of burnout might I be experiencing, mm. go take my spicy burnout quiz. Go find out 100%. if you're a poblano pepper, a kind <laughs> pepper, or maybe even a ghost pepper. Ghost pepper. I think so <laughs> you're going to say not. that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> go gosh. check it out. Guys, Cameron, thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you for being here. This has been amazing. If there's one thing that you want somebody to take away from our conversation today, you know, who may be looking at 50, or maybe they're looking back at 50. What's something important you'd like for that person to know today?
2: Oh, thank you. I would just, you know, I would like you to know that if if you're looking at 50, and you are looking at it at like, oh my god, this is my time. Oh my god, try to hang on to that, hold on to that, and like, squeeze it tight, and and, th- and then give it space to grow and expand, because it is so great. And we really are at a time where there are resources here to help you hit your stride and stay in stride. And if you're at 50 and you're like, "Holy crap, I'm 50 and this is where I am. Just know that you're not alone and that if you need help discerning, like if it is you or if it is a situation, you know, please don't go straight to that is you. If I can offer nothing, so you don't get anything else. Don't go straight to the assumption that, that it's you, that there's something wrong with you. Um, if, if nothing else, if I do nothing else or if I offer nothing else, I would say that one of the gifts I bring to the table is seeing potential. I, I see potential. And when I see potential in somebody, I am going to be your greatest cheerleader and I'm not going to let you go. I, I will help you bring it to the world. I'll help you let it free. I'll help you shine it up. It it, is what I'm super passionate about.
0: And it is definitely what you are very good at. As we wrap up this episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout, I want to remind you of your incredible brilliance. Embrace your uniqueness and know that your journey is one of strength, and resilience. Because honey, if you made it to 50, you made it this far. There's so much more. I promise there's so much more. I'm Carol Jean That's Whittington, me. and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Stay connected with me for more empowering episodes, and let's continue to thrive together. Remember, you have the power to break free from burnout and unleash your authentic self. And boy, does the world need you. Until our next empowering conversation, take care and keep shining brightly. Take care,
1: guys. See you next week.